Good morning. I am Cindy Vonna. Love talking in the beautiful blast KLGO, the word studios. That is 99.3 and 98.5. Information with inspiration. Reminding our listening audience that we are streaming live at klgo.net and also reminding you that you can catch up with Evelyn and I on lovetalknetwork.com. And in the studio with me, of course, this morning is founder and creator of Love Talk, First Lady of Love, Miss Evelyn Davison. <laughs> oh, Cindy, that always just makes my stockings roll up and down. I was thinking coming in this morning, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood and lovely. Okay, lovely Mrs. Day. Rogers. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about, you know, how my life has changed so much in the years that I have been uh, operating under the power of God's Holy Spirit and, and the admonition of his word. And I was thinking about childhood and, and how when I was young, I was always You were dreaming. going down memory lane while yes. you were driving 183. Yes. Uh, thinking about how, as a young child, looking at the disabilities I had, how my life would turn out. And I tell you, Cindy, it has been a joy ride. And, you know, there are times it goes down, you know, your joy level goes down and then it comes back up. But this has been a week of great joy and great excitement and enthusiasm for what I see God is doing in this nation. Well, you know, you and I took a little time apart. We went up to um, the National Day of Prayer Summit Leadership Conference in Colorado Springs and uh, talk about being refreshed mm-hmm. and steeped in prayer and meeting people that um, not just have a like mind but a, a like heart and and of course uh, we heard some great messages out of the uh, National Prayer Committee and also out of the National Day of Prayer leadership team and so it has been an awesome awesome uh, couple of weeks you and I uh, it's fall for me, that's always the new year. Always, you know, I, January, I kind of limp along on New Year's Eve on January, mostly because you're exhausted out of, out, of the, uh, out of the commercialism of Christmas, not necessarily the spiritualism of right. Christmas, but the commercialism. But this, for me, since I was a kid, talk about memory lane, my best, most exciting time in life was when the school year began. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just loved school. Me too. And, you know, we got our new books. We got our new notebooks, you know, and all that fresh paper you got to fill up. And so this for you and I is we always treat this. Maybe we're a little Jewish at oh. one because this is like our new year. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good that's a good analogy, Cindy. I, you know, I think about when school started and I, I just, how excited I was about school during World War II. Our number one uh, concern was whether we would have shoes to start the new, you know, start school year with, because in the summer we could go barefoot. But uh, you, when you only got two pair of shoes a year, that because they were rationed, boy, you had to plan for those days. And so, you know, that's why life today is in America. We've got some really serious issues across this nation right now, and we are looking at. Um, Sometimes, um, like these, when God offers unexpected times of pause where we can look out and look up from our picture windows uh, to consider the great meaning of our life's purpose and our direction and our place within God's will. And it is times like these, Cindy, that a state of crisis like we're facing in families today 
in our own nation is simply inescapable. And we saw visions, or not necessarily visions, but heart pictures this week. I was going to be careful about visions, but, you know, there's some good news out there on the news. You uh, you uh, scoured, the as you always do, Evelyn, as the publisher of Good News Journal, is out there on Assist News and the many news services uh, every week. And you brought us a couple of uh, good stories this week, and one of them was out of the House of Representatives who voted uh, 396 to 9 to reaffirm our national motto, In God God We Trust. trust. We love that, Cindy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because we are losing more and more every day the freedoms that we have of religious religious, uh, expression. Mm -hmm. And uh, a bad example of that this week was what happened in um, Colorado Springs at the Air Force Academy uh, the chaplains there who operate under Operation Christmas Child, were, uh, a ruling came down that they can no longer do that. They're mm. going to let them finish out the year this year. But these are things that every day can rob us of our peace, rob us of our joy. But you know what they also do, Cindy, is they charge our batteries to get out there. Out from behind just the prayer closets are the pews are the pulpits, and get actively involved in some of those decisions that need to be made in this nation. You know, that's a good observation, Evelyn. As someone who worked in policy development for many, many years, one of the things that I think is a little bit obscured to the public is kind of that first, uh, whether it's a governorship Mm -hmm. or presidency, those first couple of years are really not years where a lot of policy gets implemented. A lot of policy changes get discussed and on the drawing board and the strategies for getting them implemented. But then you begin to see in year three, four, and into a second administration, mm-hmm. how thought patterns and and are going to get translated into policy. And so when you and I bring some of this news forward, it is this that, you know, some we're going to begin to see more and more of the thought patterns mm-hmm. implemented in the way of policy in uh, whatever administration, whether it's an administration that you and I particularly support or an administration right. that we don't agree with, we're going to begin to see the inroads made in the area of policy beginning in this next election cycle. Well, you know that uh, with regard to that story on In God We Trust, uh, you know, <laughs> of course the administration wasn't very happy about that. And uh, and here was the quote that came back, you know, one that House Speaker John Bonner uh, should pro- be, could better spend his time producing jobs rather than debating whether the national motto is e pluribus unum or in God we trust. And, and here was the quote, I trust in God. Uh, this, is, this is from uh, President uh, Obama. Um, he says, I trust in God, but God wants to see us help ourselves by putting people back to work. What have you guys been debating, John? You have legislation reaffirming that in God we trust is our motto. That's not putting people back to work. And so then, of course, uh, there there was further debate about, you know, uh, the Mitch McConnell came on uh, the floor to, to talk about some of the legislation that had been offered on the Republican side of the aisle with right. regard to, uh, to job creation. And mm-hmm. so... 
You know, what one man thinks is important, another man will think is, is not important at all. And, of course, you know, I know that, that jobs in this, this country mm-hmm. are incredibly important. But we also know that in Psalm 91 and throughout the Psalms, as David declares that the Lord is the source of our mm-hmm. provision. And when we honor God, then he honors us as the source of our provision. And that is so true, Cindy. When we think about the things that are ahead of us as we plan for next year, uh, with National Day of Prayer and with Love Talk and with the Good News Journal and all those things that we're operating with, one of the things that we have to keep in mind constantly is that if our heart is directed toward God and uh, appreciative of the things that he offers us in the way of challenging Uh, the culture in which we live, then it is important for us to get involved in some of the issues that we're talking about as we discuss those. You know, our government is much like the Trinity. Have you ever thought about that? Well, no, because, I mean, is that sacrilegious for you to go down this road? Well, Mm -hmm. you better prove yourself here. First of all (laughs) is the presidency. That's the executive branch. Second is the legislative branch. And thirdly is the judiciary branch. Now, when any one of those become independent of the other three, then that pronounces problems and troubles for this nation. And unfortunately, we've had a president that has done some executive orders that has circumvented both of those. We've got uh, the... um, the legislative branch that is itself divided. You know, the Senate is very, very liberal, and the House is very, very conservative. And to a large degree, self-serving in their own right. Absolutely. They they are embedded in their philosophy of what they expect this nation to be. And so when we, when we look at that, we have to go back sometimes and look at the founding fathers and some of, some of the statements those early, early uh, leaders gave us. And, you know, Abraham Lincoln is one of my favorites, Cindy. Mm-hmm. And we have a statement today that he made that I want us to look at. Uh, he said, we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power, and no other nation has grown like we have. But, and this is in bold letters, we have forgotten God. Now, Abraham Lincoln said that, Cindy. What is the rest of the statement he said? We have forgotten what? The gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of what? Our Our own. own. Boy, isn't it amazing to look at a quote that, that springs from the conflict of this nation where blood was spilled brother to brother as far back as 1863 and to see that so much of human behavior repeats itself And that not only does human behavior repeat itself, but wisdom stands true over time. That's true, Cindy. And, you know, as we look at at some of the things that happened this week, we know that, you know, our nation is suffering today from from some bad choices that have been made, but a lot of good choices have been made. This week we've had protesters, young and old, that have made news fearlessly blaming our government and the banking system for the things that they don't have. You blame the banking system for the things that you don't have. And some of these are citizens that want everything equal. 
and have a real strong spirit of entitlement. And others are just desperate, living and struggling with the devil's daily details that we talk about every week. But, you know, this reminds me of a puzzle, Cindy. Let's us us come back with that. Well, I want you to introduce the puzzle. And I want to leave our audience with this idea that we're going to come back. And as we look at the puzzle of everyday life and those missing pieces, we can often feel like we're in a brain drain. We're going to come back after these messages and talk about the brain drain. This is Love Talk on the Word. Good morning, I am Cindy Vaughn. I love talking in the beautiful and blessed KLGO, the Word Studios. That is 99.3, Information with Inspiration, streaming live at klgo.net, reminding you that you can also catch up with Evelyn and I on Facebook and or our web. That's lovetalknetwork.com. Evelyn, as we were talking in our first segment, which we always do, about a contemporary subject, something that is going on in the day. Um, you know, you and I uh, have been pedaling pretty fast for a long time, <laughs> and, and we wonder sometimes how much longer we're going to pedal, but you have one of these great visual aids uh, that you used again and again at the conference, and you were talking about uh, – and and everyone picked it up. We we're talking about when your hard drive gets full. Yes. And uh, so, so and your memory gets overloaded. That's right. That's right. Because we were all sitting around tables and we were you know we're trying to share information and share ideas and share contacts and you know you can tell when people are really tired because they've you know they're jet lagged and mm-hmm. they've been up all hours altitude. right and oh yes and the altitude oh my gosh, but anyway so I want you to come back because we we. First, we introduced that we, the good news of the day, and we've talked about America and some of our choices, and we're going to move in and we're going to continue to talk about the the um, series that we're in, Jesus, the Promised One. But you the know, present one. Excuse me, the present one. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. Um, but life can be puzzling. You it and is. I have several missing pieces mm-hmm. to the puzzle we're praying about and seeking God on. We, we're, we've learned that we don't get ahead of God. So I want you to talk a little bit about um, a particular brain teaser, a brain drain. Mm-hmm. Well, Cindy, uh, you know, sometimes we just get so involved in the activity that, around us that it's like trying to keep up with Moses. You know, when he goes up on the mountain and comes back down and we want to know what happened. Sometimes we look at our world and we don't know what's happening. But there is a there is a mindset in our culture today that uh, is becoming very significant. And that is, uh, what is it that really 
is the most important thing about your life and my life. And it is that we are connected in a way that we have the power of the present one in our life operating, not only to protect us, but to provide for us. But when we look at our world, it's, that is not a mindset. It's not a heart set. Uh, in but in the basic culture of our nation today, and we've talked today about some of these dichotomies that we have going on, uh, you know, how they protected in God we trust, and then, you know, Operation Christmas Child is thrown out of the, of the academy. And by the way, Cindy, next Saturday we will be having a live remote out at Lifeway. And we'll, I'll be out there with the CalGO crew, and we want you to come. We're going to give a Tootsie Roll pup to everybody that comes and, and really uh, give them some information about Operation Christmas Child. But what we're talking about is how we have been drained in our thinking about what it is that we have or what we don't have. And so there's a little puzzle that I want to throw on the table for us to talk about. What is it that, and you can answer this question with us one word, and it's seven Seven letters. Okay, those are the hints. Yeah. You're going to ask us questions. The answer is the same to all these questions, mm-hmm. and it's one word, seven letters long. Uh, and I, I don't know that you know what the word is, so I, I'm going to ask oh, yeah, you. Yeah, okay. okay. All right. First of all, what is it that preceded God? What is it that's greater than God? What is it that's more evil than the devil? What is it all poor pe- people have? What is it that all wealthy people need? If you eat it, you will die. If you drink it, you'll shrivel up like a prune. Can you think of one word that would answer that puzzle? No, I can't. Well, you got it already. It's nothing. Nothing precedes God. Nothing is greater than God. Nothing is more evil than the devil. Nothing... Uh, poor, poor people, people have basically yeah. nothing. Nothing. Poor people. You know, Jesus said, you're always going to have poor people with you. But wealthy people need it. Need what, it. what does that mean? It means that they think they have all they need, and they don't. There's nothing. In material. Well, in material that fulfills what it is God has purpose for our life. And if you eat it, you will die. If you don't eat anything, you can't live. And if you don't drink anything, you truly will shrivel up like a prune. So what is, what is it that we're looking at in our culture today that America needs? We need God. And that's why this week, this ruling in God we trust is so important. That's why as we look at the 2012, our theme next year is going to be what? One Nation Under God, mm-hmm. from Psalm thirty-three, twelve, Which says, blessed. Is we say blessed because mm-hmm. of the diamic pentameter or whatever mm-hmm. that stuff is. Blessed is the nation. What? Whose God is the Lord. That means whose God is not nothing, but whose God is the Lord. So we have a whole lot of nothing, huh? Not us as Christians, but as a nation, as we, as we place our trust in... As Abraham Lincoln said in the deceitfulness of our own wisdom or thinking that we have we are responsible for our own uh, successes, we've placed our trust in, in nothing. nothing. We, if we do not have our, plucked, our trust in God, our trust is in nothing. Because without him, we don't have the power 
we don't have his presence. And it is becoming more and more obvious every day as we see these movements across this nation of people who are going to the, the streets to protest that the banks have all the money and they don't have what they want or how they need. Or see those that go into meetings and congregations and worship services and organizational meetings like we went to in Colorado Springs, and we see how God's plan is at work in this nation. Evelyn, that's a perfect segue into continuing our conversation about uh, Jesus, the present one. And we've been focusing uh, largely out of Isaiah 46 and Psalm 111 as we have talked both about the notion of, Je- of Jesus, of Christ, of, God, of the Godhead, the Trinity being present in our life. And you've piqued my curiosity with this uh, puzzle, this drain, drain, brain drain puzzle of the nothingness of our lives because we, we had a conversation around this early on that in many people's minds as Christ was back in history and lived in a particular time. And then as he was crucified and ascended into heaven, that certainly the disciples felt like they were left with nothing. Desperate. They were desperate. And then you you have a current mindset that has so lost the biblical perspective of what Jesus said as he was ascended, ascending into heaven. He said, but wait, don't be sad. I'm not leaving you. Um, and reiterates throughout the New Testament, I'm, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. So if Jesus is saying, I'm never going to leave you, I'm never going to forsake you, but he's not physically here with us, then how is it that he's the present one? How is it? Is it because it's hallelujah time? He, when he was on the cross, Cindy, he gave us that final uh, de- uh, deposition, like it was written in history in law, because he was dealing with people in law. So it was a deposition. He said, it is finished. It is finished. Now, people that were on the ground looking up thought he was talking about his life. Well, even in popular thinking, sometimes when he says it is finished, um, many Christians tend to to stop at that point and say, okay, um, if I believe in Christ Jesus and the finished work of the cross, then I receive eternal salvation. And that is theologically correct. It is. But it's not the final That's not what he was referring to when he said it is finished. He was talking about his life, Cindy. He was talking about the purpose and the passion for his life for coming out of love to give to us that great gift that no man can earn or no man can buy. And when we think about that and we think about where we are in our nation today, you know, we could live on nothing in this nation. There are a lot of... um, um, Welfare agencies that can help you know us when we're in trouble. Uh, there are churches that help. You know, we at our church we got. Well, not only I mean you you spoke clearly to that. We can be we can be wealthy, 
mm-hmm. and be empty on the inside, be lonely. How many CEOs do we know that have had the wealth of the world, have even had the fame and the attention, whether it's celebrity or CEO, only for us to read the headlines and find out that their lives were so empty that they filled their insides with either drugs or corruption and greed to find themselves either dead or incarcerated. Well, you know, the thing is, is that when we come to realize that we are here for a purpose, you and I were born for such a time as this. We're like Esther's. I don't have a middle name, and I've always thought Evelyn Esther da- Walker Davison would be a good name. But my mom didn't name me with two names. They just have one, which is very unusual for a southern lady. But, you know, we were born for such a time as this. Every person that has the name of Jesus Christ written across their heart in red, Cindy, in the blood, that was shed for the remission of our sin and for the reconciliation of who we were to who it is God intends for us to be. Then we have the power from heaven itself to be actively involved in the things God's doing, not just in our plan, not just in our purpose, but in what he is doing in America. The fact that our legislature would come forth and verify in God we trust in this nation is a victory not only for us as citizens of this nation, but for God's plan and purpose. Because our trust cannot be in the Congress. It can't be in the Supreme Court. It cannot be in one man in the White House. It has to be in God. And so as we look at where that power comes from, it's from the present one, the one is that actively involved in our life, as we run through these things we're talking about. Evelyn, we're in the studio, and we're talking literally about nothing. And we're going to come back. But something. That's right. We're going to come back. And we're going to talk about the something, the one thing of life. This is Love Talk. Good morning, I am Cindy Vaughn. I love talking in the beautiful, blessed KLGO, the word studios. That is 99.3 and 98.5. Information with inspiration. Streaming live at klgo.net. Reminding you that you can catch up with Evelyn and I out on Facebook and also on the webpage lovetalknetwork.com. Evelyn, I know our husbands occasionally listen to us. <laughs> he does every Saturday. And so now we've actually admitted it. We're in here in the studio. What they've known at different times, we're talking about nothing. <laughs> and so uh, as we went out on our break, we've been talking about this nothingness of the life that we create on our own or the nothingness, the unhealthy mindset that even some Christians have of an absent, far away God, you know, a God who set things in motion and now we, you know, basically we do our time here on earth and then if we're, if we're really good and, and, and lucky, not blessed, but lucky, then we, we might spend time, spend our lives in eternity, but none of that is really true about God, Mm -hmm. which is why we've entered into this series first, the promised one. Mm Mm-hmm. So that people would have a picture of the power 
of Christ Jesus in his incarnate life, his everyday life, is the fulfillment of every promise that God wrote in the Word of God. And every promise uh, spoken in heaven in the book of life for you and I as we live a purposeful life under Christ Jesus. Then we're now in this series where we're talking about the present one, where we want to exhort people to come into this understanding that we're not alone. We're not living for nothing. Even our dialogue is not about nothing because mm-hmm. you and I dialogue in prayer with what? The present one, the one who comes and hears our prayers, the one who said Christ Jesus said himself that he comes to abide in us. Sorry. And uh, so here we are. We have worked. We have a little um, a list that we've been working through, not, not so much mm-hmm. a to-do list. But a to-done list. It's how to live. That's right. Hallelujah life. That's right. And uh, we first we talked about uh, the, the Word of God, and we talked about where Jesus says that he is always at work. Mm-hmm. Then we talked about his always ever-present righteousness. We talked about how Jesus lives to pray for us. Mm-hmm. And we talked about Christ as Always our shield. And under each one of those, we gave scripture to back that up and principles to support that. Today, we're going to be continuing down that. And we're going to start by talking about this concept. Now, this is a troublesome concept for a lot of people. It's the difference between nothing and something. That's right. Because here's the principle. God never stops doing good for us. And to us, he always supplies us with what we really need. And here's the scripture out of Jeremiah 32:40. I make an everlasting covenant with them. I never stop doing good to them. I will inspire them to fear me that they never turn away from me. I will inspire them to hear me that they may never ever turn away from me. He goes on in the 41st verse and says, I will rejoice in doing them good and will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and soul. He has planted us in America, Cindy. It is unbelievable to me to think the opportunities that we have in this station today to do good to each other. To each other, and I know this week you, it has been a great one for you as you and your friends and your small group. Well, can I? Wedding. I know when I, I want you to talk. I want to just share a little bit because this concept of doing good. Jim had a fabulous week up in New Hampshire, and his life is so different from mine, but the Lord always works it in parallel. And he was with someone who comes from a culture of of non of non-believers, I mean, they have a culture of, they're pantheists, they have a culture where they believe in 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 uh, many gods, but not a god. And he said to Jim at one point, he said, um, you know, I guess one of my questions is, is why is it that Christians uh, gravitate to God? Is it because then they feel that they're better than everyone else? Oh. And so, of course, then Jim talked with him about the Beatitudes. So, you know, when this notion of God doing good, 
and doing good on our behalf doesn't mean that we're better than the guy who's struggling and down and out. Nor, as we do good and God does good on our behalf, can we fall into the mistaken notion that we are better than anyone or anything. As a matter of fact, Jim's response to him I thought was spot on to say, no, actually, in order to come to our God, we first have to acknowledge that we are not good enough. And then our own, on our own, we can, we can do nothing apart from him. We humble ourselves, and then he went through the Beatitudes with him where he talks about here is the king, here's the picture of the kingdom of heaven. Although man always wants to deceive himself, as Abraham Lincoln said, that he's, we and of ourselves are doing something to change the world, it is only Christ abiding in us when we surrender our lives that God is able to do good. Now this fast forwards to this this moment, this wedding where this very precious couple, a gift of God, sent to our home group, who's who's lived in every kind of worldly way, came to us and we instantly loved them. But here's you love them. Oh, when oh, they were it was, out of the way. Oh, it was messed up in the brain drain. That's right. It was clear that the Lord had sent them as a gift from God and we received them as a gift from God. He said, "Here I'm sending my precious ones, here are the lambs who've been lost. Will you tend them?" Are they how different were they than your group? Oh, well, culturally they come from a completely different culture, but they come from the streets and they from come the from street. gangs and they and come gangs. from uh, uh addiction and okay. uh, I mean their background and you know cuz we're all older just white folks. <laughs> and we couldn't have been more different, but they loved us from the beginning because they ne- they'd never had mother, spiritual mom mm-hmm. and dads, or really sound parenting. But here was this moment when I was out with this little bride shopping for her, and I was so grateful to God. Because why? Not because I was doing good, but because she had been sent as a gift. Because in my own life, I've not had the privilege of shopping with my daughter for her wedding. And that was the moment when I realized that God had sent a gift to me. And that I could have turned that gift down through disappointment or bitterness or just not recognizing for what it was. But I finally had that moment in my life when I could be out with a young bride in all of her, um, all of her anxiety, all of her joy, all of her love, all of her expectations, all of her fears, and shop with her and all day long reassure her of the goodness of God. Now, I live for moments like that. That's the description of the present one who sent a present from God and then gives you a spirit that can recognize when God's working, where there's that mutual blessing. She thought I was blessing her, but she could not know the greatness of the blessing of God. You know, Cindy, that's what the Christian life is. It's not that we've been drained from being able to think the way the world thinks or to reach out in in love and compassion and even in justice to help them come to know the reality of God's love. But it is that we are love on parade before a world. And the 
that example from Jim, your wonderful husband, with a person that has many gods before them to come to a conclusion that we are better, we think we are better than anybody else. That is totally, totally a mindset that is foreign to the will and the way of Jesus Christ. Because he says perfect love casts out fear. We don't have to worry about those things. Because he loves us enough that he he infuses us with everything we need as we trust him. And that's why this in God we trust is so important in this nation. Is we are on display before a world that is searching for the right God to help them live a life that would not only be meaningful but would be blessed. And, And as he brings people into our lives like this young couple that just came out of the blue from a total mindset and culture from which you are living in right now. And for them to come to know the reality of the love of Christ and want to follow him and make things right in their life to the extent that they knew that marriage was God's way of blessing, that they would allow you and your group to help them make that possible. That's what we're talking about today. That's not nothing. That is something in your life and in my life that gives us not only the passion or the purpose, but the power to live the way the Lord Jesus would live if he were in our shoes today. You're right about that. You know, Evelyn, I'm thinking of Bruce Wilkinson's book, You Were Born for This. Oh, yes. You know, and and this is really what we're talking about. We were born to live in the presence of God. We're going to take our break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about, are you leaving me? This is Love Talk on the Word. Good morning, I am Cindy Vaughn in the beautiful, blessed KLGO, the Word Studios, 99.3 and 98.5, information with inspiration, reminding our listening audience that we are streaming live at klgo.net, and you can catch up with Evelyn and I on Facebook and or on lovetalknetwork.com. Evelyn, as we went out, we were talking about the fifth principle and the Alleluia life as we are dialoguing about the present one, really trying to bring home to the hearts of, of listeners and to our own heart this idea that um, that that God is with us, mm-hmm. the Emmanuel principle, that he didn't leave us, nor did he forsake us. and and But we've hit on this principle today of he never stops doing good, always supplying us with what we really need, and making an everlasting covenant. Now, in this scripture, and Jeremiah is referring, of course, to Israel, but you and I are grafted in as a result of the Absolutely. New Testament. It's as the re- tree of life. As a result of the, the crucifixion of Christ, and the Gentiles become, become grafted in, and every covenant, um, every promise spoken in the Old Testament for the people of God then becomes a promise for you and I as we live out in the presence of God today. But I want you to just walk through a few, a couple of those principles having to do with never never stop doing good. Because you want to know what, Evelyn? 
there are those out there, they don't really know if God's ever really started doing good. good. They're living in the nothing Mm -hmm. rather than the something, the one thing of life. Well, when you look at what it is that is transitioned to us, Cindy, when we come to the reality of the love of Jesus Christ in our own lives personally, and I would say to you this morning, wherever you are, you're on 183 driving, and you push that holy scanner, and you picked us up today, and you think, what are those crazy women talking about? Nothing or something. The nothing of life is when we don't have the power of the present one. That is the nothing of life. The something of life is those things and the gifts and the blessing and the power to begin to live a life that would bring honor not only to our life, our heritage, our legacy, but would bring the the chorus of hallelujah, saying, thank you, God, for everything that touches my life. Now, that is hard to do. And I know Jim, as he talked to that, to, to the to the colleague that he talked to this week that made the statement, you know, that Christians think they're better than anybody else. It's not that we're better than anybody else. It's that Jesus is the better way. He is the something. And, Cindy, what is it that he gives us then to make it possible for us to be love on display? It's the daily word. It's what he speaks to our hearts every day. The second thing is the bread of life. You know, we don't eat the nothingness of life. He gives us the very things that we need for the time in which we need it, as we trust him for it. And then the other thing is living water. Living water always represents the Holy Spirit. He said, Jesus said to the woman at the well, I give you something you don't have. I give you a drink of water that you'll never be thirsty for again. And that is the spirit of the living one. So what is it? He says that he will never leave us. It means he will never stop giving us the something that we need to live the life that is exemplary of who he is and who we ought to be as we walk the walk and, and talk the talk in the culture, in, the, in those channels, those places of life where he puts us every day, like he put Jim this week as he was in, in the North. Well, Ellen, you know, you hit on three principles of the Christian life that we could basically speak on and have been speaking on for more than our, our 16, you 27 years and me uh, going into the 17th year with you. Because, you know, as even as I have, and we've discussed and been concerned about even the Christian attitude about, is Jesus doing enough for me? Is God doing, yeah. you know, basically this hand-wringing attitude in this country. Or where is and, he? And that somehow it's, it, it has nothing to do with the daily bread, but it has everything to do with us not moving out of our comfort zone. We're afraid we're going to be uncomfortable. But what God promises to us through the present one is daily bread, and we can't get confused about that, Evelyn. That's daily provision. Even the children of Israel murmured against God because he brought to them the daily manna. But they said, well, "Well, it's it's not good enough. Mm -hmm. You know, I I need more. And so then, then of course, we have the doves, but even that they became, you know, they became sick of that. And even the confines of not gathering more than they were, were admonished together. You know, we have to be careful as the people of God that even believe that 
do we believe what we say we believe, that God provides daily bread, and do in our satisfaction with God, do we believe Mm -hmm. that that is enough? Because sometimes if you're running down the road trying to acquire all the nothingness of life under the banner of Christendom so that you can be seen as bountiful or prosperous, then you lose sight of the abundant life. The exchanged life. Mm-hmm. This is what he's talking about here. Right. That we that we thrive on daily bread. That we don't drink the cup of bitterness of this world, but the cup of living waters. How do you do that? Well, you don't run after everything of the world. That's how you find yourself in the place of drinking that cup of bitterness oftentimes. But it is the cup of living waters. It is the bread of life. It is the daily bread that God says you are to partake of daily. Daily. So, daily. And so this is, this is part of our, the key discussion of the present one. If you're living beyond the presence of God, in other words, thinking that either we have to do it, Evelyn, you and me, we've got to get it done for mm-hmm. God. Yes. Or we've got to be better for God. But it isn't us on display. It's Christ living in us. How do people see Christ living in you and I if we've not stopped to have daily bread, but we're running down the freeway to fulfill our own grocery list? Well, he gives us a principle for doing that, Cindy. And what we do on Love Talk, and we've done it, you said, 27 years, is we live by the principles. We live on the principles by the promises of God. Two things, principles and promises. Principles are those things that we learn every day as we go through the hard times of life. We're going to have them. And we're not saying just because we're Christians, God's going to give us Dr. Pepper. Or he's going to give us uh, rosemary for our potatoes or something. It is that he would give us the strength, Cindy, the power to face anything that comes our way. Because he is that something of life. And as we look at he will never leave us, he'll never leave us alone without providing, there is a part of the criteria that's there that we need to look at. And very briefly, he said he, and this comes from Hebrews 13:5, and it's something we need to write on the billboard of our life, and it is this. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Keep your, eye, your lives free from the love of money. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He knows what we need, Cindy. But the secret to the hallelujah life is praising him and thanking him that he has the answer. He has that something, that one thing that we need, and that is the power of his presence in our life. Excellent. You know, the word contentment to an American, uh, one of the ways that our forefathers... uh, drove from shore to shore and from unclaimed land to unclaimed land, of course, was through a certain kind of discontentment. So to speak to contentment to an American flies in the face of culture. But you hit it on the head, Evelyn, that unless we are content with God and what we have, we are likely to fall prey to cultural Christianity which is not the proven way, which is not the narrow way, which is not the path to the presence of God. Mm -hmm. 
So, Evelyn, let's speak to our friends as we bring this to a close about how it is that we come to live on that daily bread, those living waters in the presence of God. Well, we have to come to realize, Cindy, that Jesus Christ is the solution. He is that lotion of love that comes into our life in a way that can help us do what you did this week with a young bride that helped Jim this week as he was confronted by someone that doesn't believe. But the thing that is so evident in our life as we trust him is that he is ever-present. He is always there to give the best and do the best for us. And he never turns his back on us nor takes his eyes from us. Why? Because he is the forever-present one. He gives us all of his attention And we need to give him ours. We say that each week, Cindy. We have to give him our attention so that we know that he is operating at the maximum of what we can do and what we can uh, empower to others in the life in which we live. Cindy, this has been a wonderful day as we've talked about from nothing to something and brain drain. The one thing of life, Christ Jesus. This has been Love Talk on the Word. This is Juan Martinez letting you know that Love Talk has been brought to you by The Word 99.3 and 98.5 in Austin, as well as Love Talk's partnering sponsors, Ellison's Laser, Casa Mechanical Services, Hill Country Landscape, Ray Gardner Triad Ministries, First Baptist Church Pflugerville, and The Good News Journal.